This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 22. Hi everyone, it's Brett and just wanted to drop a quick line here at the beginning. Two things I want you to know. First off, this is going to be a two-part series, a two-episode series. It's a great topic and hey, we went long and so we're splitting it up into two episodes. So you'll hear an, a rather abrupt end or at least more abrupt than what you're used to here on the podcast. Wanted you to be aware of that. Obviously, make sure that you pick up the next episode and get the second part of this uh, great chat. Uh, secondly, we had some audio issues on this episode, specifically with my voice track. So the good news is it's not Chris's voice track and Chris is the one who's bringing the good stuff. So that's good. Uh, but you may hear some audio issues and audio quality issues that we've tried to rectify because of that as we go through here. So I, I just appreciate your patience up front and ahead of time. And uh, trust me when I say it is certainly worth uh, enduring the small audio issues and being less than perfect on that front so that you can get the great nuggets to apply to your organization uh, that Chris is going to share today. So let's dig in to this episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan, your co-host. I am here today with Chris Fuller. Hello, Chris. Hey, Brett. How are you, sir? Man, I am wonderful. It's actually not 100 degrees right. today here in Dallas-Fort Worth, so it's a great day. I know. Any day that's not triple digits is a great day, especially <laughs> as we record this uh, in August and uh, air this at the beginning of September. So there's obviously a lot on people's minds. Uh, school's getting back in. We're trying to get back in the flow of things. Yeah. Uh, and it prompts a lot of different thinking, right? And, and I know over the next few episodes, we're going to kind of tackle different areas of that, right? We're yeah. going to talk about personal mindset. We're going to talk about uh, finishing the year strong. Absolutely. Uh, but today we're going to focus on, you were telling me as we prepare, were preparing for this, really the hottest topics that you hear and even beyond, but especially that you work with, right. are change management. Change management is uh, always a big one. Right. And then culture. Culture. Which is such a big word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and today we're going to dig, we're going to lean on that culture side. Sure. And we're going to talk about kind of the bad side of culture, right? Yeah. Well, you know, the struggle is when you think about culture, there's not too many. We tend to, maybe it's a human condition. We tend to think about the negative aspects, not necessarily right. the positive aspects. Yeah. And anytime you go, hey, you know, have you ever worked in a great place? Everybody goes, yeah. Have you ever worked in a bad place? Everybody goes, oh, and the reaction, the intensities that much more. So yeah, we're going to be talking about cultures today from a negative standpoint, dealing with a little bit of toxicity. Yeah. Um, I've had a number of clients over the past couple of weeks talk about the toxic nature of their cultures. Yeah. So that'd be a great topic for us to kick into today. No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, specifically we're going to talk about six, really the six most common types of organizational cancer yeah. that you come across. We're going to break those down. So be listening uh, there were some of these that, as as Chris was lining them out in our preparation, I was saying, yep, that makes sense. Uh, could have probably guessed that one. And then there's a, a few in here that I'm like, had not thought about that. Yeah. Or I certainly haven't thought about it that way. So be listening. Uh, and, and, you know, as Chris mentioned, when we think about culture, it, it's interesting because it's so easy to really go through the details of a bad culture you've experienced. Right. You can remember the good, but you can't remember the details a lot of times. Right. But we all want the good. Yeah. And so a lot of times, sometimes to get to the good, we have to deal with what's not meeting that standard. 
you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting piece, and not to get too granular right off the bat, but um, physiologically, with every thought synapses that goes through our brain, it actually carries an emotional trail with it. So as this synapse, as you're thinking about something, yeah. if you think about right now, if you think about some of the worst work situations you've ever been in, mm-hmm. your mind will also bring you an emotion to it. And mm-hmm. so you will re-feel that. So if I had to ask you, think about a situation right now that you would talk about being toxic. You've either been under a toxic leader or a toxic coworker. Mm-hmm. And immediately you're gonna, oh, you're gonna re-feel that particular piece. And I think that that's why it's so relevant is people are taking this stuff home with them. People are talking about this. They're, they're stressed out. They're, uh, you know, all of the consequences of the toxicity in a culture, mm-hmm. really um, the impact is so deep and so broad that it follows us home. And we end up even having secondary conflict at home because of the primary toxicity at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not like you can just... Uh block one off, right? You leave the office and toxicity stays there. I mean, that's something that really follows you. Right. Yeah. Right. And just like toxic anything, it wants to find its way to another waterway. Yeah. And so what we're bleeding into is we are polluting our home streams with workplace toxicity. And so in order to alleviate that, I want to go back to the source of the toxicity and say, how do we deal with this? What are some of the causes? And how do we equip our listeners, uh, Brett, to, to, to do something about it? Yeah. Okay, well, let's do it. Let's, uh, let's jump into the first one as we're talking about organizational cancers. And this is uh, silos yeah. and all, all that that implies. So, uh, you know, really, as you define it, what is a silo? So we got a couple of things within a silo. So a silo can simply be a manifestation, right? It's a symptom Mm-hmm. And we need to look for the symptoms and the root cause. Mm-hmm. So a silo is simply somebody just saying, stay out of my turf. It's protectionism. Yeah. Yeah. And it is um, one department not talking to another department. It's a leader withholding information from the team. Um, it's teammates withholding the information from each other so that maybe they can get a little bit different pecking order within the group. Mm-hmm. And so that silo essentially means I'm going to build my castle walls to a point where you can't reach this particular piece and I feel a sense of safety, albeit a false sense of safety, I'm trying to find some level of safety Mm -hmm. in that particular piece. I'm trying to find some level of power and I don't have it in and of myself. Confident people don't need to silo. Mm -hmm. Secure people don't need that security of the castle. Mm -hmm. But the insecure and the concerned, obviously they're gonna start wall building. Mm -hmm. And anytime that you run into this within your organizations, it generally, as a leader, if I find silos in wall building, I'm gonna start picking at the walls to see what's going on with that. Yeah, what, uh, in your experience, how aware are people of like being part of a, a silo? Like, do they know, hey, yes, I'm doing this on purpose, or is it a accidental thing, a mix? No, I, I mean, I don't think that everybody sets out and says, here's what I'm going to do. Right. I'm going to withhold information, and I, I think it's a consequence. Yeah. Um, now, I can tell you, organizationally, people are very aware of it yeah. within right. the organization, right? Yeah. Um, team players, coworkers, they know it is so difficult to deal with that person that department, mm-hmm. you know, then, then it's like, man, you know what? We're not sharing 
information. Yeah. So the opposite of collaboration, cooperation, and sharing is silo and wall building. Mm-hmm. And so people are aware of how difficult communication is, how difficult cooperation, collaboration is. So I think they're aware of it. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, I know I'm certainly guilty of this one. Um, and it, when I, I, the reason I asked that question, when I was guilty of it, I was certainly aware of other departments being silos. Sure. I didn't think mine was, you know, but it, it was almost, ah, uh, well, I'm responding, reacting. In my mind, that's what I thought, right? Yep. Now, I could I should have chosen to be proactive, right? I I'm treating chosen, them with like kind. Yeah, exactly. This is how I'm treated, so I'm just going to return the favor. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. So you mentioned this can often be uh, fostered just in spirit of protection, insecurity, yeah. the whole power. I mean, all of those, you know, anything else in there that really kind of is a red flag of, yes, you've got a silo issue here. <laughs> well, you know, one of the greatest pieces that, uh, that I ask the audiences I'm with is I'm saying, you know, have you ever had the thought, it shouldn't be this difficult? Mm. So if you've ever had a thought, it shouldn't be this difficult, that is a key sign of bureaucracy and a key sign of silos. Yeah. And you have a heart to achieve this, but why is it this difficult? And the emotional consequences that that starts to to take as a toll is just tremendous within within the organization. So where are the silos? Why are the silos there? And how do we, you know, pull that Ronald Reagan move, you know, uh, Gorbachev, tear down this wall, right? Right. That that move that just says, I'm not standing for this wall anymore. Let me, let me not be a wall builder. Let me be a wall buster. It's funny. I was having lunch yesterday with someone who works at a great company. I mean, you know, really a strong company, so many things to admire about it. And they, they have a, a, a CEO right now who's commuting, right? Doesn't live in the area, comes in leaves, you know, isn't there every day. Right. And, and he was just mentioning, saying, you know, when he's not there, everyone reverts back to their silo. Oh, wow. And it's, it's almost like a, a natural phenomenon. Obviously sure. it's not, but it's like, and then he comes back and it forces, all right, let's share what we've all done independently. Right. You know, but then why don't we just stay that way? You know, and I think it really speaks to, there's a lot of reasons for that, but I think it speaks to a leader's influence over addressing this piece of your culture. It does. And, yeah. you know, one of the pieces is from a personality standpoint, I do a lot with right path and personality and, and some people use DISC or Myers-Briggs, MBTI, mm-hmm. any of that. Mm-hmm. If you're an introvert, it's not your natural inclination to go walk around and share information right. with people. You're not just going to go, hey, let's pull up a chair and talk. You're introverted. So mm-hmm. your personality tendencies can lead you into potentially silo behavior. Mm-hmm. But if you're on purpose, if you're purposeful about this, you will make sure that anybody that needs information gets the information they need as soon as possible, mm-hmm. knowing the shared information is going to enhance and increase that, um, that communication. It's going to enhance the relationship. It's going to overcome difficulties. And I'm just pouring money in the bank by getting out of my own personality skin to make sure that I overcome that first hurdle, which is silo and wall building. Yeah. We have leaders all the time and teammates that are just, they're insecure. They feel like they've got to get a leg up on everybody. They're trying to hold their own power somehow, some way. And so they just start this wall building because of personal insecurity. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to, we've got to look at where that is and where someone is being guarded 
you know, we as leaders have to establish one of the fixes right off the bat. Let me give you a hope. One of the fixes right off the bat, establish the desired norms. Yeah. We have to say, this is what we want. This is what we don't want. And so one of the first key pieces on that is say, we can't afford not to communicate. And I've been with organizations that essentially one department wasn't communicating with another department and it cost them a customer because the customer said, why don't you guys talk talk to each other? And that we can't have fiefdoms within one company, one organization, and expect it not to flow downriver in that toxicity piece and affect the customer. Yeah. Well, and that's so the first one in our list here of six of the most common organizational cancers is silos have formed, right? Uh, and you've already kind of mentioned the, the second one a little bit because they're so closely linked. Sure. Right? And that's communication. Communication is guarded is the second one on the list. And in my mind, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, and feel free to correct me, I know you won't hesitate, but in my mind it is, you know, silos are almost, you do your job, I'll do my job, you know, stop bothering me. Right. right. And communication is the more proactive side of that. It's like, what do I know that everyone else needs to know? You know, or in this case, what do I know that I'm just not sharing? Right. Either I'm not thinking to share it or there's reasons I'm not sharing it. You know, two sides of that come into with the silo and the communication. Well, it can end up departmentally kind of being an us versus them. Right. Right. And, and it's kind of funny where there's checks and balances. That would be a systemic conflict on purpose to make sure that accounting forces sales to turn in their receipts. I mean, right. that's a natural check and balances. Right. Generally, salespeople aren't good at collecting the receipts, yeah. and now all of a sudden we're being held to account by accounting, and now we've got conflict within that piece. But within, you know, maybe sales turns something over to operations and, and sales believes operations is blowing it, and so there's a little bit of that pull push-pull, and so now we start to build up animosities and sort of, you hurt me, so now we have this conflict, and we start dealing with the communication tendencies that way. And so when we're looking at this communication, the free flow of information, the, the struggle is one of the ways that we do this is we generally, in communication and or in relationships with other departments, as a general rule, when it's the most toxic, I've found that the guarding of the information and the protectionism aspect really comes down into we will we'll almost share the bad, but we won't communicate the good. Oh, yeah. And one organization that I've dealt with right now is they are actually, when, when somebody has been onboarded, they're sharing the negative feelings. They are preemptively poisoning the new hires mm-hmm. to get them on their side against. So they're now, one organization, I, after going through all this, I said, uh, I found your, your problem. And they said, really? And I said, you, you guys have organizational cultural leukemia. Mm. And they said, what, what in the world are you talking about? And I said, you have people that haven't been here long enough to carry the offenses that are being poisoned into them. And so when you have an employee that's been here four to six months and they're repeating problems that are two years old. Yeah, but they didn't even experience themselves. That <laughs> cultural toxicity is bloodborne. Yeah. We're doing it to wow. ourselves. And so when you look at that, you've got to go back as a leader and you've got to say, who is spreading this cancer? Where's that toxicity coming from? 
We don't. We need to stay in the moment, stay relevant, and and get rid of that cultural toxicity, that leukemia, that bloodborne illness that says I'm going to share the negative, and I am hurt, and I am offended, and so we share these pieces, and that ends up back into that you know that that struggle and that so when it comes to communication what's being communicated mm-hmm. are we communicating openly and we need to again some of the solutions as we're kind of walking through this is you've got to believe in the intent of others and trust in their integrity mm-hmm. and if you don't believe in their intent if we if we assume negative intent mm-hmm. then what that's going to struggle is we're always going to be assuming that somebody is either out to step on us, somebody's out to get us, somebody's out to utilize us or throw us under the bus. All those cultural toxic moments mm-hmm. can end up really just um, d- just obliterating the communication. We won't open up where it's not safe to open up. Yeah. No, and just you saying, are you communicating the good stuff? I mean, that in and of itself, right? It's like, it's easy for us to... Sky is falling. Yeah, this guy's an idiot. Yeah, you know, I mean, whatever. It's easy to go negative, right? Right. But there's always good stuff happening, and and that alone could be such a, a cultural shift, right? Yeah. If, if you just did that, I bet it would make a huge difference. And, and really, what we're doing is we're talking about we're talking about shaping people's lenses. Yeah. Right. The whole lens theory is every experience you've had up until this moment, along with your personality controls the lens by which you bend all information. Mm -hmm. So what happens in these toxic culture is everybody's lens is bent to the negative. And so we assume the negative, assume mal intent, assume this. And so we start to react and perception becomes reality. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of that, we just continue to spread toxins throughout and again it's a cancer and what do you do with a cancer you don't hug a cancer you don't coddle a cancer you eradicate a cancer and you have to take that level of intentionality around Mm -hmm. something this toxic right yeah so we've talked about silence yep we've talked about uh, guarded communication yeah and again i love how these link together because you were just kind of segueing whether you knew it or not right in the next one which is low trust yes um so a, a spirit of low trust is present. That's a huge organizational cancer. Yeah, it is. Now, what's that look like? Well, there's two types of trust. There's um, what I would call there's relational trust. Do I trust your integrity? Do I trust your character? Do I trust your characteristics? Do I trust you um, to listen? Do I trust you emotionally? Are you a safe person? Right. And then do I trust your competencies? So right. when we look at characteristics and competencies... Those are some big pieces. And I can trust that if I open my mouth and I start to say something, you're going to use it against me. You're going to weaponize it. So some of that toxicity and that silo and that lack of communication really comes in because I don't even tr- I can't even admit when I'm wrong because of how you're going to use that against me. Yeah. And so there's no safety. There's no vulnerability. There's a guardedness within that, um, that particular piece. And it's because I don't trust what you will do with that information. And if I don't trust what you're going to do, I'm never going to share that. So I don't trust your integrity. I don't trust your approach. I don't trust your safety. But then there's some people that are just incompetent and we're going, I have no idea how you got that job, right. but 
you're an idiot. Yeah. And yeah. I mean that in the most loving way possible. Right, very loving. Um, so <laughs> when we look at that, um, it's like you are an incompetent person. Right. And I just can't stand dealing with you because of your inability to achieve what needs to get. So do I trust you professionally or do I trust you personally? Right. And I think that that low trust comes into those key pieces of, uh, of how you're going to, do you do the work or work the angle? You right. know, it's, it's, it's all of this wrapped into, um, it's just a great test. One of the first things is, is I'll, I'll go in and I'll say, what does it feel like to work here? What does it look like to work here? Tell me what the trust level is. Tell yeah. me what the communication conflict looks like. Yeah. And I can pretty much get what I need out of the, the cultural aspects. Yeah. So let's, I'm going to flip that a little bit. Okay? okay. So if I am thinking about you, Chris. Yeah. And my, let's say for whatever reason, I have low trust in you. Yeah. Okay. So if it's clear that your character is weak and your motives are shady, that's easy to identify, right? Yeah. Or if you don't know what you're doing, you're just in a position that, hey, you shouldn't be in, right? Competence is low. That's easy to identify. Yeah. Okay. But that's you. I have no control over either of those two things in this scenario. Okay. okay. What can I do to help? Let's say maybe neither one of those things are as bad as, as I think they are. What can I do to help me with my low trust issues? Anything? So what you're telling me, Brett, is you have trust issues. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the leather couch. Uh, uh, we're now yeah, going to... Let me recline. <laughs> <laughs> really, the, the interesting piece about that is, is um, I have to clarify expectations and I have to um, clearly delineate an outcome. Mm-hmm. So if... One of the best things, a guy named Joel Manby, if you're familiar, Joel Manby has a book out called Love Works. Okay. Now, uh, Joel was the CEO of family, uh, Hershen Family Entertainment. He's now the CEO taking over SeaWorld and overseeing sort of the turnaround of SeaWorld. And one of the things that I heard him say, which was beautiful, is he said, you know, relationships can go sideways when you don't get crystal clear about expectations and you don't have firm positive accountability. You think you're helping the relationship by not having the rigidity of expectations, outcomes, and accountability. Mm -hmm. The fact is you're harming the relationship through that fuzziness Mm -hmm. because when it goes wrong and it will go wrong, they think they're doing their best. You think because you didn't share clearly that they're not. Mm -hmm. And so that relational disconnect is going to be there. So one of the best things you can do for trust is... Crystal clear expectations, set the standard, set that point of accountability, hold people accountable. So just that clarity. So measured that progress, clarify the expectations. Do I have right expectations? And get out of the assumption business, get into the clarity business. All right, and that is a wrap of the first part of this two-part series. Hope you enjoyed that. Really some great, great... uh, uh, practical things to put into place and we're going to continue with that discussion on our next episode so make sure that you keep an eye out for that we'll be dropping that here very soon also make sure you go to influenceleadership.com if you are interested in at least learning more about chris or uh, digging into some of the resources uh, that he makes available they're all on the website obviously if you want to contact us if you're interested in working with chris at your organization we'd love to talk to you about that 
And uh, also, we'd love for you to rate the podcast. Uh, if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever it is that you're listening on, I uh, would love for you to listen or to rate the podcast. It certainly means a lot to us. And uh, hopefully you're getting a lot of value out of this. So we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast. Mm-hmm.